Well, good morning, everyone. It is a wonderful time to come together, and um, this morning I want to welcome you all uh, to this service. And um, the scripture tells us that we're to come into his, his gates with thanksgiving, and that's a good thing to come into his gates with thanksgiving uh, and to allow the Lord to continue to speak uh, and work in our hearts. There's a lot of things to be thankful to the Lord and sometimes our days and our weeks feel like there's not much to give thankful for. That's just life. Sometimes we have those kinds of experiences. Um, but there is always a, an opportunity for us to, sit, um, to reflect and to realise that there is, there is reason to thank the Lord. And the Bible says, come into his gates with thanksgiving, come into his, his house with praise. And so this is an opportunity for us to do this. What we just sang this morning is an opportunity for us to always be thanking the Lord. He's good. He's good. And, and his goodness continues to extend far beyond our imagination, how good he is. You know, uh, when, when we don't see what is happening, the Lord continues to be good. Uh, and even when things are going well, the Lord continues to be good. And even when the day begins, before the day begins, the Lord continues to be good. And even before we knew him, the Lord was good. And he found a way to call us and bring us into his family and to bring us into his um, uh, fellowship with the church, the body of Christ. This was good of him to do this. I don't know if you've ever felt the feeling of being lost before. I don't know if you ever f feel like, I mean, you can be disorientated, like you go to the shops and, and all that, or you go to somewhere new and you get a bit disorientated and you go, hang on, where, where am I supposed to be? And hey, what's, where's that shop then? And you can feel a little bit disorientated and that gives you a bit of a, an idea of what it feels like to be lost. But I don't know if any of you have ever really felt like they've actually been lost, whether you've been driving and you think to yourself, where in the world am I? Or you just don't know where to go, what to do. Or you're, when you're a little, maybe you got lost. And that feeling of hopelessness, that feeling, that sense of, you know, uh, really just don't know what to do next. You know, you need someone to come and help you. You need someone to come and guide you. Um, and probably, I'm sure if someone, if I asked, there'd be some people in this. I certainly was. When I was little, I, I was lost once. And it, it was a really horrible feeling. And, and I'm sure some of you felt that as well. But what was really... What's really um, what we learn from that is how much how great it feels when you are found. Like there's a it's a such a relief, such a relief when you're found, and that's what the Lord Jesus Christ does for us. He he comes looking for a people who are lost, who can't find their way back to Him. He comes looking, and though people live life like they are just so everything they've got it all together. You know, people live life like they've got it all worked out, you know. I've got to, I know what I'm going to do next and I know, I know my plans and I've got this planned and I've got that planned. But they don't realise that life isn't like this. You don't live life like this because you're actually lost. There is a, there is a place that you're called, that is called lost. And all you're doing is you're getting it all worked out while you're lost, which doesn't even make sense until you come to a place of finding the Lord Jesus Christ and finding the forgiveness of your sins. So we're going to read a passage this morning uh, from John chapter 10 when Jesus declares himself to be uh, this good shepherd that he is for us. And um, it's an important passage because he's declaring to the world not only who he is but what he does, uh, that everyone may come to know and believe in the truth of what the Lord Jesus Christ has, has done. And in John chapter 10, we'll read just a few verses from this, from this 
uh, chapter about Jesus and being the true shepherd or being the good shepherd. But I don't want us to remember this morning something before I read from this passage is that there is a, there is a big battle going on in this world for our souls. There is a big, big battle going on. And whether you see it or whether you don't see it, whether you know about it or whether you don't know about it, there is a wrestle going on for your soul. And I would even be confident to say this morning there is a wrestle going on for your soul because there is an enemy that really wants to make sure that he keeps you, your soul, as far away from the truth of Jesus, as far away as he can. And the Lord Jesus Christ continues to speak and continues to, to, to um, work in your life to draw you to draw you to himself. And even this morning, there is a rest. But there's a big battle. There's a big battle going on for your soul. And this is no different to the day of Jesus when he was sharing and talking and he was wanting, he saw them as, he had felt for them as, as sheep without a sh- uh, shepherd and he just felt for them. He just knew that they were in a place of being lost and they just wanted to, he wanted to reach out to them and, and help them come back to where they need to be, a place of rest. So there's a place where there's a big wrestle for our soul and there's a lot of people who care, who care for thing, all things external and that's not necessarily a bad thing but they care so much and invest so much in all things external but then become very careless about the soul, they become very careless about the things that last forever. They'll, they'll take great care and spend a lot of time on things that, are, um, that we can see but are careless about the soul. They'll spend a lot of time, even the things that are important, they'll look, they'll look after themselves physically and they'll look after themselves emotionally and they'll look after their mental health and that's all good. That's all very good to do all those sorts of things. But, but a lot of people will do that at the neglect still of caring for their soul. And it's different. It's different to care for your mind and care for your emotions and care for your physical. They are good and those things are good, but they are different to caring for your soul. And so what God is interested in is all those things, but not at the neglect of your soul. That's what he's most interested in. He wants to make sure this is at the right place. This is at a place of rest. This is at a place where, where he, he needs it to be because this flows into all the other areas of life. This is what actually impacts all the other areas of life. And so he's concerned about this and he's calling us and asking us, I believe, each day, each day is a day of grace for us, for him to say to us, are you prepared to trust me with your soul? Are you prepared to trust me with every, the depth of who you are and everything you are and trust me with your life? And this is what the wrestle becomes about. Will I give him everything, even my whole, my soul, my being, everything I am, will I trust him with it? Or will I hold, hold something back because perhaps I think I can do it better. Or perhaps it's too scary to give him everything. And this is, becomes the wrestle. This becomes that wrestle that I'm talking about. So Jesus knew this. And Jesus wanted to portray himself and share the truth about himself that he was a faithful shepherd that would be absolutely committed, absolutely committed to our well-being and to the care of our soul and to the nurture of our soul. And this is a little bit what he's talking about here. So let's read chapter 10, chapter 10 in verse, uh, verse 1. Verse one. We'll, we'll go through it um, perhaps verse at a time just to make it a bit easier this morning. 
So Jesus says in chapter 10, verse 1, Most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. So he introduces this passage by wanting his people to understand something uh, quite significant. First, he wants to tell the most assuredly or truly, truly, I say to you, like he, he wants to emphasize this point, that every single person, everyone that's lived on this life, in this world, that has tried to get into the sheepfold some other way, has jumped the fences or gone through a, an opening of some other kind. He has everything that everyone has tried to do and get to the place of the sheep where the sheep are, where my people are, everyone that's tried some other way to do that, but through the door that the Father has appointed, he goes, they are all thieves and robbers. What does that mean? They're all thieves and robbers. Well, firstly, interestingly, the word thief and the word robber are actually two different words in the Greek. That's quite an interesting thing in itself. I thought, oh, that's it. Why did Jesus say thief and robber? Because they seem very similar. You know, but they're two, two very different words. The word thief is a word that of someone who goes about stealing, but very secretly, very secretly, almost deceptively. Does that make sense? The person who goes around and very sneakily catches the souls of people, maybe by their charm, maybe, maybe by their eloquence, maybe by their manner, maybe by their promises. But what they're doing is they're stealing the souls of people because they go another way. They don't go through the way that's appointed. They find their own way because they are interested in their own things. They're self-interested. They're self-focused. It's about them. It's about them. Not about the truth. Not about what God wants. It's about them. And this is the very essence of what often destroys relationships. This is the very thing that when people draw so much out of someone else because really they have a deep need and they're trying to find it in someone else. They have some kind of issue and they're trying to help someone, they're hoping someone else can fix it for them. And they drain the other person in the relationship because the other person can't give it to them. They can't give it to them. They're only human as well. And this destructive cycle that goes on happens a lot in relationships and and jesus is saying he comes a thief and the thief is really about himself or about herself and what they're doing is they're capturing their they're, they're they're pinching the souls of people very subtly and deceptively he goes and then there's robbers and robbers pff, they don't care they're out there with violence robbing things because i think it's they're, they're entitled somehow to this thing they're not really worried whether they're seen or not seen. They're not really worried whether they're heard or not. In fact, they want people to hear them. They're very public. They're very open. They'll speak openly about things. They'll speak openly about other Christians. They'll speak openly about churches. They'll speak openly about things. They'll do things and they're not even worried. They're very bold, if you like. And they're just all they want, again, is, is, to, is, to, um, is to win the souls of people. And people maybe they're... They're uh, enticed by their confidence and their boldness. They're enticed maybe by, by the way they speak and how, how open and bold they are. But whatever it is, at the end of the day, they've gone another way. They haven't gone the way appointed by the Father. And so Jesus says, everybody, everybody, he says, he says to you, who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs some other way is a thief and is a robber 
And this big battle goes on for your soul. And Jesus is calling us to be quite discerning around what that even looks like for the protection of our souls. In another passage in Matthew, Jesus said this, For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. That's a very specific thing that Jesus was referring to for a very specific time. But the principle is the same. He says, many are coming and many will come in my name. And I just want to go around and they want to tell people that they are the Christ. That they want to tell people that they're the truth. That they want to tell people this is the way. And they'll try and capture as many as they can. And probably there are some people in the room, even some people listening online, that will actually, you may, have, you may be thinking to yourself, how do you even know if you're just, being, you're just floating away with the opinions of this world and the ideas of this world, even Christian ideas or what seem to be Christian ideas, how do I know I'm not just floating away on some kind of you know, waters of flood that just my, my boat's just going anywhere it, needs, it can go by the voices of this world or how do I know I'm actually on the path of truth that's, that's a very important question to ask just because you say you believe in God doesn't mean you're on the path of truth just because you say you believe in Jesus doesn't mean you're on the path of truth just because you say you go to a church doesn't mean you're on the path of truth And so what Jesus is calling us is into this intimate relationship with him where we're not interested in all those things, but in hearing his voice. What's his voice saying? What's the truth? What what is the word of the truth that he's talking about? Which guarantees us or becomes like an anchor in the flood that wants to sweep us away. And so this is where he's he's, he's, um, warning us that there are many that will come before, uh, many that you will hear, that you need to be very careful of now i'm not saying that everyone you hear that um um that you know, every other preacher or every other song artist or every other person in the world is speaking wrong but there is a place where we've got to be discerning there is a place and a time where we've got to be discerning and what we're listening to and what we're hearing and then in verse two so he warns us of this thing and he says in verse two but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. So he goes, but the person who goes through the door appointed by the Father, he, he becomes the shepherd of the sheep. He is the one that is appointed, that it is given to him, that he's been chosen to do this. He is the one that the Father honors. He goes through the actual door. Now, there's a lot of things that draw what Jesus is essentially doing here. He's drawing everything back to who he is. Because he's allowed to do that. He's not, it's not wrong of him to do this. It's not wrong. He's not uh, elevating himself above what he ought to. He's not uh, being proud in his, in his words. He's actually declaring the truth. That if you want to know the way, the truth, and the life, then you're looking at him. And so he says, the one who was appointed by the Father is the one who goes through the door. And he goes, basically he's saying, I am he. I am the way and the truth and the life. In fact, in another part of Scripture, if you might, you might remember on the mount where he took some disciples with him and he was transfigured and, and he, the Bible tells us that he was uh, um, bright white. And, um, and Elijah and Moses stood either side of him. And his disciples see them. And then all of a sudden, there is only Jesus left and there is a voice. From heaven, what does the voice say? 
This is my beloved son. Hear him. And all of a sudden, this transition from Old and New Testament, all of a sudden, his disciples are understanding something quite significant. Everything we've heard and every prophet we've listened to and everything that's been told to us has been moving and and working towards one man. Who is it? Jesus. Behold, this is my son. Hear him. So Jesus is doing nothing different here to what God the Father did and what the rest of the scriptures teach us, that he becomes the only way to heaven. And that's got to encourage us. That's got to speak something to our hearts because it stops the search of life. It stops us searching, hoping that we're on the right track, hoping that we would find eternal life, hoping maybe, maybe we'd get right our lives uh, if we find the right thing. We can stop that search and we can believe and trust in Jesus who says that the only one, the one who is truly the shepherd of the sheep is the one who enters by the door. Verse 3, to him the doorkeeper opens, because that's who the Father's going to open to. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Who does the sheep hear? Whose voice do they hear? They only hear the voice of the one who goes through the door. I tell you, brothers and sisters, there's going to be a lot of voices out there. A lot of voices. A lot of voices that will tell you a lot of things. A lot of things that are going to lead you astray. And Jesus is asking us. He's saying to him, listen, if you want to be from me, if you're of me, then there's only one voice you need to be most interested in. There's only one voice that's only going to save you. There's only one voice that's going to lead you in the right direction, and that's my voice. That's very, very bold, very bold of Jesus to say this, but it's very true of him. And we can take great comfort and great delight and great reassurance in knowing that if you you spend your whole life listening to one voice and one voice only, then life's going to be safe, life's going to be good. Life's going to be on the truth, and life's going to be leading to eternity. This is the truth, and this is the voice that Jesus wants us to listen to. But there's going to be a lot of contending voices, which we'll see in in a moment. And verse four, and when he and, and sorry, verse four, and when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. He goes before them. Now listen and consider for a moment. Jesus doesn't get his sheep come into the fold and says, hello everyone, let's go, and then sends them out and then sends them off into the wilderness and, 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 and forgets all about them. The Bible tells us that everything we see about Jesus and everything we know about him is that he brings them out and the first thing he does is that he goes before them. He leads the way for them and he shows them the way to be. And this becomes for us everything that we find our life is based on. Who he was and what he did. So everything he practiced, he called us to do the same thing. Because he led that way for us. People say, I can't be like that. Well, it's not because they can't be like that. It's because they choose not to be like that. See, what Christ did is he came, he took us out, he led the way. And he says, come follow me, hear my voice, do the same thing. This is the life of Jesus. Listen, I'll give you an example. When he washed the feet of his disciples, he said to them very, very clearly, look what I've done for you. He led the way. He says, consider, look, behold, what did I just do for you? I, your Lord and your Master, washed your feet. He led the way for them. 
He says, now I want you to do the same thing. I want you to know that as you, as you listen to my voice, as you follow me as the great shepherd of your souls, I want you to remember something, that if I've done this for you and I'm your Lord and your master, you ought to do this for one another. See, choosing not to humble ourselves and to wash each other's feet is more than, I don't feel I should do this. It becomes the heart that no longer wants to follow the voice of the shepherd. That's the greatest significance behind this. It becomes the heart that says, I can shepherd my own life. I can do my own thing. And so what they're doing is they're listening to another voice. Another voice that says, I don't like the way this happens. Why should I have to do this? It's too difficult. It smells. It hurts. And all of a sudden, life is geared around the voice we most like to listen to rather than the voice of Jesus that says, hey, I led the way. I washed your feet. I'm Lord and Master. Now do it to one another. And so Jesus tells us here that he comes in through the right door, the door that's appointed. He leads them out and he goes before us. Verse 5. And we follow him, yeah? Verse 4, we follow him because I know his voice. Verse 5, yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Do you know the voice of a stranger? Interesting, isn't it? Okay, so you know the voice of Jesus, you're listening, you're listening out for his word and you're you're looking at the way he lived and you're practicing the way he, he lived his life. You're, you're loving your enemies. You're turning the other cheek. You're washing the feet of your brothers and sisters figuratively. Like you're, you're, doing things, you're doing things to imitate the love of Christ and the service of Christ. But do you know the voice of, of the enemy? Do you know the voice that, um, that is trying to trick you? How do we begin to discern this? How do we begin to hear and know this isn't the right voice? How do we know, like Jesus says here, that they're able uh, to um, not follow the voice of a stranger? Well, the only, the, really the best way, the best way to be able to do this is to be able to come back to God's word and to understand the word of God and the practice of God's word because this is going to be your greatest defense. Not whether or not you think something sounds good or doesn't sound good. Not whether or not it makes you feel good or not feel good. But when you come to an absolute commitment to knowing the word of God and to the practice of the word of God, this is going to be your greatest defense. See, there are voices out there that will teach you things that are wrong. And we need to be able to discern that. You've probably been aware of it before. There are voices out there that will be designed to tickle your ear. What does that mean? There are voices out there that will be designed deliberately to make you feel good about you and neglect the true nature of your soul, the true condition of your soul. Does that make sense? There are voices out there that are designed to feed the nature of man, men and women. Our nature likes to be, uh, feel a certain way, 
be a certain way and there's a voice out there that will kind of pamper this very nature, what we call, the Bible calls, the flesh. And one of the reasons, one of the ways we can discern this voice, that this voice is going to promote and encourage a sense of selfishness. And will create an element of disunity among his people. But when we hear the voice of Jesus, what we begin to hear is a voice that is selfless and a voice that will love and a voice that will lay down our lives for one another. Very, very different to the voice of a stranger. The voice of a stranger will say, what about me? And the voice of Jesus will say, what about you? The voice of a stranger will say, what can you do for me? The voice of Jesus will say, what, what can I do for you? And this is where it's very different. The voice of a stranger will always promote something that is false, something that is self-focused, and something that is that will create disunity. You think about it. But whenever you listen to the voice of Jesus and you hear his voice, you will always bring about where there's truth and where there is love, a selflessness and always a strength to hold the people of God united together in his love. Always. And so Jesus is asking us, be careful. Be careful of the voice of strangers. In fact, the scripture tells us that when we listen to his voice, uh, we are protected by him. He prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. When we listen to his voice, he brings about a peace for us. He leads us to, to green pastures and still waters. This is the voice of Jesus and in verse 6, the Bible says, Jesus stood, uh, sorry, Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. And then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I love this because what Jesus is doing, he's sort of saying something like this. I came through, I went through the door, I went through the way that was appointed by the Father, and do you know what? I took it to another level, now I've become that door. I went through the door the Father wanted from me, but now I am the door, and there's no one else that you can go through, there is no one else that you're going to find salvation in, there is no one else you're going to find hope in, there's no one else you're going to find peace in and life in, but me and me alone. In fact, it's no longer just a door anymore, he's, I am the door now. And he's, he's got every right for it to say that. This is how bold he was, because he needed to be. He didn't want us racing and chasing and hoping that we would find it in something else. But we would come to the foot of the cross, to the door to heaven, and that's Jesus himself. So perhaps for some of you this morning, your, your search can stop. Maybe the search once and for all can stop. You're at the door, now you just need to go in. Christ and Christ alone. No point standing at the door. <laughs> no point, you know, people, you know, you've seen sometimes people, their ear at the door. 
listening, what's going on on the inside. You've got to go in and find pasture. And that's what Jesus says in verse 9. He says, I'm the door. If anyone who enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. He says, I'm the door. And if you go in and out, one thing I can guarantee for you, you're going to find pasture. I'm going to make sure that whether you're in, sort of like now, we, we gather together as Christians to be fed of the Lord, or whether you go out and out doing all the things that we do as Christians, we, we go out and we just live life with everyone else, being who we are and doing what we need to do in the name of the Lord. And we go out, and we do, yes, whether you're coming in or whether you're going out, one thing I'll absolutely guarantee Jesus says for you is that you will always find pasture what's that mean there's always going to be a place where i'm going to promise you that looking after and caring and nurturing your soul always in or out i'm committed to the nurturing of your soul you will find pasture you will find rest you will find um, um, food for your soul you will find a nourishment that only i can give listen to what first peter says for you were like sheep going astray but now you've returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls you are like sheep going astray but who have you returned to the shepherd and the bishop or overseer of our souls so we spoke a couple of weeks ago of needing to care for another generation wanting to care and raise another generation to nurture them shepherd them help them but at the end of the day that's all well and good but you you us we need to be nurtured as well we need to come under the shepherd of our souls. We need to make sure that we are trusting him with our lives, that we are being fed by him and nurtured by him. Otherwise, what can we give to others? We must come and find the nurture of our souls and be fed by him. And by doing so, we don't go and just nurture another generation because we have enough knowledge in our heads. We do it because God is nurturing us and then we're able to nurture others. He is promising us, whether we're in or whether we go out, if you trust him with your life, you trust him with your soul, you will always be nurtured by him and cared for by him. In Psalms 100, it says this, Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And the psalmist wants to remind us that who's your creator? Who's the one that made us? Who's the one that gave life to you? Well, it's the Lord himself. And who is your shepherd? Well, it's the same Lord because he made you and he's committed to nurturing you. And we can chase the things of life, but our souls will be neglected. Until we come to the place of our creator and we trust him as our shepherd. We trust him with our lives, everything about it. We hold nothing back. And he, and he gives to us pasture that feeds and nurtures our soul. Everything that is needed. And does that pasture dry up? Not at all. That's what he promises us. And then in verse 10, that famous passage He's, he's sort of drawing back to verse 1 a little bit and what people, what other voices try and do in this world, especially the work of Satan. He says in verse 10, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I've come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. Do we believe this? Do we believe that there's an enemy, many, 
who have a plan. And we often talk about the devil's mission statement. And that's his mission statement. He wants to steal. Yeah, because that's what he is. He wants to kill and he wants to destroy. And once he has, once he can convince you that you can have everything in life but not give your heart completely over to Christ, then he's succeeded. Because he's stolen the truth away from you. Once he can convince you that life is going well without Jesus, that you can do okay without him, again, he's stolen the truth away from you. And whenever he steals the truth away from you, what he does is this. It only progresses to steal, to eventually kill, and to eventually destroy. That's his plan. And it starts by us lending our minds and our hearts to the voice of strangers. And being convinced that it is okay. But until we come back and only hear the voice of Christ that tells us we need to give it all to him. To trust him with all our soul. He says, I've come to give life and I've come to give it more abundantly. How many of us have thought about what that means, more abundantly? What is life and life? Sounds good, doesn't it? I've come to give life and I've come to give it more abundantly. I don't know about you, but sometimes life doesn't feel like that for me. So what does he mean? What's he talking about? That I've come to give life and I want to give an abundance of life. How does that even work? Is it more life? More days on this earth? Is it a different kind of life? What does it mean? I, I, I find it easier to understand an abundant life by what it's not. I find it easier to understand myself by what it's not. Yeah, let me tell you what I mean. When Jesus talks about a life and life more abundantly, listen to what it's not. And hopefully, like me, you'll understand what it is. Does that make sense? When Jesus talks about a life that's more abundant, he's not talking about a life without problems. Because why would he? Why would Jesus talk about a life without problems? Because firstly, it doesn't exist. Because that then would make him a liar. Yeah, that life with no problems. Oh, I'm a Christian. My life's abundant. I've got no problems. Well... Sure. So he's not talking about a life with no problems, because that's what life is. Problems exist exist in life. Um, We don't want them. We don't predict them. We don't necessarily plan for them. We hope it doesn't happen. But that's not. That's just. That's just how life is. So Jesus doesn't. When he says a life abundantly, he's not talking about a life without problems. In fact, they they exist often to draw us closer to him. But that's another message. But life. When he talks about life abundantly, he's not talking about life without problems. Neither is he talking about a wealthy life. Am I allowed to say that? When Jesus says, oh, you know, I came to give life abundantly, he's not meaning, oh, because you're going to have so much money and wealth in this life and you're you're never going to have a need and everything is going to be, everything, you're going to have an abundance of all this stuff. And that's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about that because why would Jesus promise something just like that's of material gain? Why would he even do this? That's, that's the abundance of life is not a wealthy life. Remember, Jesus says that even the Son of Man had nowhere to lay his head. When Jesus speaks about an abundant life, he's not talking about, he's not talking about a life 
driven by emotions. Do you understand? When Jesus is talking about an abundant life, he's talking about a life that's not driven by your emotions. Because this is, this is peaceful. Imagine, this is the, the life of Christ that he's promising you, a life that doesn't have to be dictated just by the way you feel on any given day. Because life is more than that. The truth is more than that. His spirit has more power than that. He's able to give us a life that doesn't get determined by the emotions that we have. Because if you're anything like me, your emotions can change 20 times in a day. But he's giving us a life that's abundant. He's not giving us a life that's driven by the emotions, but rather by the truth. We feel them, we know them, we experience them, but it's not driven by them. Does that make sense? When Jesus speaks about a, an abundant life, he's not talking about a life without temptations because they're going to come. You're going to have them. But the ability to be able to resist them and the ability to be able to say no to them and the ability to be able to be Christ in those moments is an example of an abundant life. He's not talking about a life that's bound by our nature. It's not a life that is driven and, and, and we have to do something just because we feel like we want to do it. Or we don't say something just because we feel like we want to say it. Ever felt like that? You're so driven by your nature that because you feel it or you want to say it, you end up doing it. Jesus is saying, that's not the abundant life. The abundant life is not driven and not bound by the nature of man or woman. No, it's not bound by this. It's bound by the truth. That we can actually say no. An abundant life is not a life governed by darkness. There's a lot of darkness in this world and voices of the darkness of this world that want to um, steal and cheat us of the truth. And Jesus is saying that's not the abundant life. We can be governed by something far higher and far greater. And that's the voice of Christ. And finally, it's not a life controlled by worry. Is your life controlled by worry? Do you find your life is just always worrying about stuff? But when Jesus speaks about an abundant life, he's not saying you won't have worries or emotions, but it's not a life driven and controlled by worries because we rest in the care of the shepherd. Make sense? This is what he's drawing us to himself. He's drawing us to his voice. Listen to me. Listen. You'll go in and out and you'll find pasture. You'll go in and out and I'll nurture. You'll go in and out and I'll, be, and I'll be protecting you. You will go in and out, but I will always care for you. I will never run away. This is his, this is his promise to us. And that's why, uh, finally, that's why verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Well, he's allowed to say that because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him won't perish, but have everlasting life. This morning, brothers and sisters, I want you to really be encouraged to know that there are many voices out there, the voices that want to steal our hearts and our souls away, but find rest this morning in the shepherd of your souls who will promise to always nurture and care for that which is most important for you, and that's your soul. Put your trust in him. Don't just stand at the door, enter it. Come in with all your heart. And give that to him. 
As we bow our heads this morning, uh, let's bow our heads this morning. I want to read, I want to finish by reading Psalm 23 and then we're going to pray. And reflect on the great shepherd and what he is and who he is to us. And to believe in only the voice of the shepherd in our lives. The Bible tells us, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul and he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's sing together.